Good morning, everyone. Uh, that sounded really good. I mean, you know, for a first time in the morning, you're some getting in here, and that did sound good. It's a joy to be back here at Mount Horeb. Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking in the traditional service. I, I've been to your church many, many times, but never in this beautiful facility, the auditorium. This is amazing. I love your church, the impact it's having in the community. I love your pastor. God's you, he's a real man of vision. And it's rare that a leader can stay in one church for so long and be so loved. This church, uh, I have a lot of friends here. Uh, you have a lot of CIU students and graduates here. That, that blesses my heart. And Stallion, you tempted me so, I was very, very, very tempted to tell one story on you, but I'm just gonna let you buy me lunch one day and not tell the, the pony boy story. Um, no, I can't help myself. Um, I was teaching class and this young 18-year-old sauntered into class and he goes, and I'd had everybody introduce themselves and he goes, my name is Daniel Stephanus. But everybody calls me the Italian stallion. And I said, well, that's great. From now on in this class, you'll be known as Pony Boy. So it started going tit for tat. And it was beginning to escalate. And I said, I need to kind of put a cap on this because uh, I wanted to keep my job. And I said, it's a big auto about 90 students in the class. And I had my wife go out and buy, do you remember the little ponies that had the long, colorful hair, and my little pony, I think it was, right? And you'd comb, I wouldn't, but you know, little girls would <laughs> comb it. So I said, <clears throat> I wrapped it up, had my wife wrap it up, and so I started class, I said, Daniel, you know, I've decided from here on out, I will call you Stallion. And just to show you my sincerity, I have a gift for you but I don't want you to open it up in front of anybody. I want you to open it up privately. Now, I, I've been around students a long, long time, and I knew the first thing he was gonna do after class was go back to his dorm room, gather all the other friends on the hall, and show them what I had, opened, I had bought for him. So, sure enough, that exact thing happened. He got all of his buddies together. Am I telling the truth? Say it loudly, louder. Yes, sir, okay. So he gets all the guys in his room and he opens up and there's this pink pony with pink hair and I'd written at the top, Stallion, you will always be my little pony boy. <laughs> so um, this morning he got a text from one of the members of the church because I told that story last two weeks ago in the other service and had a little pink pony with pink hair bouncing around, and what did it say? Haters gonna hate. Well, say it loudly. Haters, gonna hate. haters are going to hate, okay? Haters are going to hate. In Christian love, but haters are going to hate, right? So <clears throat> this is another reason this place is special to me is Debbie and I, my sweetheart, stand up, baby doll. We've been married 40 years, eight months, and 19 days today. We have four married children, so eight children, and eight grandchildren. 
One of those, one of our, our youngest daughter married Matt Dinsky. I don't know if, how many of you remember Matt. He was on staff here for many, many years. And um, well, you love him more than I do now because uh, he took our youngest daughter and two precious little grandsons and moved all the way to Greenville. So <laughs> haters will hate, right? So he shouldn't have done that. Well, <clears throat> I'm very blessed to be asked by the pastor to share in this series on rhythms of revival. And here's, here's my simple definition of revival. Revival is, is, is nothing more in its simplest of terms. It's letting the Holy Spirit have his way in us and through us. That's the definition. Oh God, I need you to do something in my life. Translation, I need revival. Holy Spirit, do something in my life. And usually when he does something in our lives, he does something through our lives. And I chose this morning a passage in Acts chapter eight. If you have your Bibles, turn to, please to Acts chapter eight. We'll start about verse 26. Acts chapter eight, verse 26. And this passage of scripture, I think communicates this simple definition of revival. The Holy Spirit in this case, Philip, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in him and through him. So just follow along as I read. Verse 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran up and heard the Ethiopian reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how could I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which the, which the Ethiopian was reading was this. This is from Isaiah. And he was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate to his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The Ethiopian answered Philip and, or asked him, and he says, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Is it of himself, Isaiah, or is it someone else? Then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning with this scripture in Isaiah, he preached or communicated Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, this next verse is not in everybody's Bible. NIV probably puts it in the margin because it was, this verse is not found in all the early manuscripts, but most of the versions you'll find this, verse 37. And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. This, this passage of scripture came alive to me Mother's Day two years ago. And, and again, 
it's this definition of Holy Spirit, have your way in me. So look at verse 39. We'll probably put it on the screen. Verse 39 says, and the Spirit said or spoke to Philip. The Spirit spoke to Philip. Mother's Day two years ago, because you heard we have four married children, that's eight. Eight grandchildren, that's 16. Debbie and I, that's 18. Mother's Day is a big deal to us. And we typically, in our church, sit the second row. I'm on the end, Deb's right beside me. But it was Mother's Day. And instead of going to the last service and sitting up front, we went to the second service and tried to sit in the back, but there was no room. So we went out the foyer, came in the back, and sat in the very, very back. Last two seats, I was on the edge, Deb was beside me. The service starts, it's dark, the bass is pounding off my chest. We're singing the first worship song, and I noticed a young professional African-American walk past me down the aisle. Well, our church is not as diverse as it needs to be. And I want to make sure he felt loved, welcome, and accepted. So I, my radar was up, and I watched him come down the aisle, went to the third row, Andrew, right behind you, and he turned right there and walked all the way down to the end. And then, verse 29, this is when this passage started coming alive to me. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Now, was it audible? No. It was louder than that. Has God ever spoken to your heart? And, and you know he wants you to do something? I call it an impression. I like to call it the Holy Spirit is leading me. This passage says, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And as I sat back there, this is what I believed, as best I could understand the Spirit speaking to me, was saying to my heart, get up and go invite this young man to come sit with you and Debbie. As a matter of fact, that young man is here this morning. Would you welcome with me Solon Flowers? Solon, would you come out here, please, sir? Good morning. Now, so what were you doing in church that morning? Uh, going to church. Okay. No. All right. Um, That's what I ask, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I mean, it was Mother's Day Sunday. Um, that was probably a good question. I asked myself that multiple times, what was going to be there for me in a Mother's Day service. I'd been to many of them in the past, but um, I was hoping that... Um, there would be a word, a message for me. Why is that? Um, well, y'all don't know me, but now you're gonna get to know me. So um, the events, I guess, if you'd say, that were kind of leading up to that um, had me in a place where I was uh, really struggling, um, struggling trying to identify what, what God was doing, what I was doing, was God doing anything or was I just out here just moving about on my own? And 
Um, my life was kind of falling apart, um, to say the least. And so the evening prior to Mother's Day, um, I'd, uh, I'd been living with my dad, um, back in my dad's house, you know, felt like I'd been a successful guy for a little while, and, um, but yet again, I was back living at my dad's house, living in, sleeping in my little sister's old room where you could kind of see like the pink paint coming through the white that he had tried to paint over. Um, and I was outside on the back of his pickup truck, um, really just contemplating life kind of tallying up, if you would say, my successes and my failures. And um, I don't know if any of y'all have ever been there um, and started, you know, surveying, like, how's my life going? Am I, am I, am I winning? Am I losing? And um, I definitely felt like the scoreboard said I was losing. Uh, my failures were certainly outweighing my successes. Um, my marriage was falling apart. Um, I was separated from my wife going through a pretty messy divorce at the time, feeling like I uh, didn't belong, like I didn't have a space. Um, you know, I'd made a lot of mistakes, and so that, that shame and guilt was uh, definitely weighing heavy on me. Depression? Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I was certainly depressed. I mean, just fearful of what was to come, and um, really just trying to understand, like, God, do you actually have a purpose for my life? What about those thoughts of um, whether you should continue on or not? Yeah, um, I would share with you all that uh, there were a, a lot of um, lies that I was listening to, um, you know, hearing that maybe I wasn't worthy of being loved. That, that was the reason why, you know, me and my wife couldn't be together, or maybe I was broken and I was just a defect, and maybe God just messed up on me. Um, and maybe the world, my kids, my family would be better without me there um, self-destructing. So thoughts of suicide. Yeah. I have no idea, I'd never met him before, that that was going through his mind as he walked down the aisle. He spent three hours the night before in this, this particular suit in the rain so depressed that he's contemplating, should I continue life or not? And the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. It says, get up. Now, let's look at verse 30. So the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip's heart, and so what does Philip do? It says, I love this phrase, Philip ran up to the chariot. That, to me, that communicates it was almost instantly. He, he got up, no telling how many chariots had gone by him, but the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go up to that chariot. He didn't sit there and begin to, begin to, uh, to, begin to rationalize, hmm, why should I go up to that chariot? That guy, I don't know that guy. He'll think I'm a nut. Why should I go up to that chariot? But he instantly, and it seems like enthusiastically. Well, I'm sitting back in the back, and the Holy Spirit says, get up and go invite Solon to come back and sit with you. Well, I want you to know, I didn't run up to him. I sat there and thought, no. <laughs> I don't know him. He doesn't know me. 
I don't want to look like an idiot. I'm telling you how many times I rationalize away obedience to the Lord. But that particular Mother's Day, I turned to Deb and I said, I'll be right back. I went out in the back, came around the edge. Now, the song is pretty loud. And so, and it's dark. And how do you talk during that? You have to get up close to a guy you don't know. <laughs> and I put my arm around Solon. Now, now, and I don't, I'm not loud in your ear. And I, when I say loudly, feeling like this is awkward. <laughs> and I said, I don't know if you're a long-term member or a first-time visitor, but if you're by yourself this morning and you'd like to sit with someone, please come back and sit with me and my wife. What, did, what went through your mind when I... <laughs> I mean, y'all could imagine. Anyways, um, you know, I would, I would tell you I'm so grateful he did what was uh, probably uncomfortable um, and that he listened uh, to that prompting from the Holy Spirit. Um, what he couldn't have known is that I was uh, in my seat, yet again, Mother's Day service. I mean, I, I, like I said, I've been to many. I figured it would be all about mothers. Um, but I was in my seat and, or in my aisle, the music was playing, and I was overwhelmed with feelings, just, you know, God, I don't, I, don't, like, I don't know if you can hear me. I don't know if maybe I just did so much wrong that you just no longer listen to me. Um, and so I was just at a place where I was crying out, just in, you know, in my spirit. Standing there during the song. Yeah, um, just saying, God, if you can hear me, like, I don't know if I can continue. I don't know if I can keep feeling the way that I feel right now. I don't feel like anybody loves me, but if you love me, I'm begging you, just come find me. I wanna know that you love me. I wanna know that you want me. I wanna know that I have reason and purpose. And I was begging, I, I remember praying to myself or praying in my spirit saying, God, I need you right now to show up. Like, I, I, I cannot continue. I need you right now to show up. Not later today, not tomorrow, not next week, but like right now. And didn't you say amen? <laughs> I don't think I, I don't know if I threw the amen on there or not, but I was pretty sure that was God. And I was like, and this is the end. Um, <laughs> like you were headed to heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, here I go. I put my arm around him. When he turned and looked at me, his eyes were this big around. <laughs> and he followed me like a zombie. I, I mean, it was like, so we sit back, second Saul. He's pouring out his heart to me saying, I came to church this morning to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm separated from my wife. I feel I'll never see her again. I'll never see my three beautiful little girls again. I said, you and I need to get together for lunch. Now, keep in mind, what are we talking about? This four-week series is, Lord, we need revival in us. And whenever he does something in us, he tends to do something through us. 
but our tendency is to sit down, hold on tight, and refuse to listen, or we may listen, but refuse to obey what the Holy Spirit's prompting in us. But then when we do get up and run up, then what do we do? Let's see what Philip did. Still in verse 30. Philip heard the Ethiopian reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Let me, one fear we have is when when we're sensing the Holy Spirit wants to do something through us, is we, we think, I don't know what to say. And we put the pressure on us that we need to do all the talking. We don't. The person God's leading us to, we need to let them talk. And the best way to do that is to let them, is to ask them questions. Just like Philip asked the Ethiopian a question. Do you understand what you're reading? So we went to lunch. And at lunch, I asked you some questions. Do you you remember some of the questions? Yeah, um, I think first uh, was a kind of variation of like, you know, um, do you have a relationship with God? Are you a Christian? Or I think he actually said, do you have a relationship with God? And I remember responding saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then his follow-up question, um, he said, so do you think that you're a biblical or a cultural Christian? And um, I don't know, you know, I I don't know about y'all, but I've been going to church a very long time, um, you know, and I was thinking to myself, so maybe I'm the wrong kind of Christian. I, I didn't know there were two types, but I don't know how to answer that question. And, and what we were communicating there, because we have this, we're in America, and we think, well, just because we're in church, therefore, we're true, genuine followers of Christ. We have this personal relationship with God And oftentimes, people in church don't. They have the cultural part down perfectly. They have the routine, the religion, but they've never had an opportunity or never taken the opportunity to cross over into a real relationship with God. They've they've never, they may believe, but they haven't received, John 1, 12. And so I asked him this question just to get him to think, to evaluate his, his own life. Well, So Philip asked this question. Do you understand what you're reading? Then look at verse 35. Then, after all of that, then Philip begins to do the talking. Verse 35, then Philip opened up his mouth and beginning from the scripture in Isaiah, he communicated Jesus to him. So As we talked, I sensed he was beginning to wonder, where is he? And so I took a napkin and I drew three stages or phases of a person's spiritual journey. Here's the napkin. And I I didn't take art in college, okay? So there's, there's a seeking for God, a coming to God, and a growing in God. Now we know as, as followers of Christ, we know it's, it's seeking for Jesus Christ, a coming to Jesus Christ, and a growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you notice the seeking for, I drew it going towards Christ, and then I drew it going away, and then I had some little circles. The journey takes us in many different places. But then God begins to put these people and events, he begins working in our minds and our thoughts and emotions and we're beginning moving toward something's missing. 
So then, beginning with this scripture, John 3, 16, not Isaiah, but I took a second napkin. You'll see it here on the screen. The second napkin, we burned through some napkins, didn't we? <laughs> that we did. And, and using John 3, 16, I drew this diagram. So in, it, it's not so important whether you say you know God. What's important is that God says he knows you. And it seems like you may be over here, but you need to be over here. You can't get over there yourself. You must let the Lord come and get you and take you over. So as I was drawing these diagrams, what's going through your, your thinking, your emotions? I hope he's going to pay for lunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully there'll be enough napkins left for me to wipe my face. Um, no, I was, um, I was really just, uh, at first I think I was feeling kind of offended by the question, going back to the, are you a biblical or are you a cultural Christian? Just thinking, I, I, I don't know which one I am. Am I not good enough there either? Like, because I had already had all these feelings that I was wrestling with around, well, you're, you're not good enough. You know, you're not smart enough. You're not cute enough, you're not tall enough, you know, anyways. Um, and so anyways, as he was saying that, I was, you know, just kind of thinking like, maybe, maybe I'm the wrong one. And then I think when he illustrated the, the, on the napkin, the cross and crossing over into a right relationship with Christ, that's where it started to hit, started to sink in a little bit differently, um, where I was able to start and I'll help y'all to understand what I was going through. I'll un try and unpackage it briefly for you. But I was thinking through what is a real relationship? And, you know, think back on the relationships that I have, even the earthly ones. You know, uh, I use my kids as an example. They love me and I love them. And I had this idea in my mind, I knew that I believed in God. What I didn't know or what I couldn't answer was whether or not I loved him. And what I started to realize was he may be loving me or in love with me, but I may not be fully in love with him. Okay, so I'm, let's look at Philip, verse 37. And Philip said to the Ethiopian, if you believe with all of your heart. After he explained how to have a real personal relationship with God, he invites him. If you believe with all of your heart, there are two TCs. You need to be totally convinced and thoroughly convicted. It needs to be both. So students will often go on a high school retreat and the last night they're crying and make all these commitments. They're, they're convicted, but they don't know what they're doing. So years later, they realize, you know, I really didn't truly become a believer back then. And they make an adult informed decision because now the two TCs are together, totally convinced, thoroughly convicted. So at lunch, I asked Sola, I says, where would you put yourself on this diagram? He said, over here. I said, where would you like to be? He said, over here. I said, is there anything keeping you from crossing over right now? He said, I need to think about it. So I said, well, when you're ready, 
Get on your knees, ask Christ to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, give you the free gift of eternal life and make you the person that he wants you to be. And you went home that night and what happened? Again, I'm a, I'm a processor and I was thinking about that relationship yet again of love and you know, obviously I, I had reasoned in my mind that God had to be real. All of you are here. God created each one of you. I can't say it was a big cosmic boom, so I, I, I logically understood it, but I didn't connect my heart. My heart was not connected in a relationship sense with the Lord. Um, and so as I sat and I thought, you know, well, you've been going to church, so, and you've been, you've been trying, you've been striving. Life is really, your, your life is, in shambles, you've, you've done everything that you could do to try and make it something, and this is where you're at. Maybe there's a better option. And so I really began thinking through those mistakes that were, like I told you, kind of mounting as these feelings of shame and guilt. And I started thinking how great God's love must be to allow me to make all the mistakes that I've made and still love me. Mm-hmm. And I had this almost revelation, if you'd say, that my mistakes and all of these things weren't really meant to be just this reminder of deep-rooted shame. It really should be perceived or seen as this reminder of his unending love, his abundant grace and mercy that he continues to show in my life. Like These things that are flashing back on this highlight reel aren't for me to beat myself up on, but it's just a reminder of how much he loved me. And, and as I realized how messy and broken and how much he loved me. I mean, when you start to realize that, there's nothing you can do to respond but to reciprocate that love back, so. So you got on your knees, asked Christ into your heart, and I had told him, when you do that, because I knew, I knew the Holy Spirit was working in his life, I said, open up the middle of your Bible, thinking, Old Testament, New Testament, there's a blank page, and write down your prayer of asking Christ to come into your heart. And he went home, got on his knees, and he wrote this prayer in the exact middle of his Bible. I love it. It wasn't between the Old Testament and New Testament. It was on page 1,147 or something. Yeah, so there's 1,042 pages in my Bible. And um, I wrote, or I flipped to 571. You said the middle. So. I, that was the middle. <laughs> read, read, the, read your prayer, please, because you have the Bible from two years ago. Um, y'all bear with me. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die on the cross and pay the penalty for my sins and the sins of this world. Lord, I believe that you love me and have given to me the opportunity for eternal life, and I accept it today. Lord, make in me a new and renewed body that I may live for you. God, I accept you into my heart now and forever. I pray that you teach me to love, teach me to live for you. I pray that you continue to teach me, provide wisdom, or provide vision, wisdom, and continue to breathe your grace on me. I love you, Lord, and accept you as my Father, Humbly with love in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Is that not strong? Yeah, oh, that's appropriate. 
so the next morning he wakes up and life is perfect. Pretty much. Wee, you know. Uh, no. I, so, I think I woke up with a renewed sense of purpose. I knew there was meaning. I knew there was a reason for my life. I believe that, you know, as I continued to get deeper and deeper into the word, I so realized that. So you got in Bible that, study. Yeah, I got, I got into a Bible study. Um, I had some great men of God just come around me and try and shepherd me and continue to pour into my life. And most importantly, though, I spent time in here really getting intimate with God, wanting to know who he was, what his character was like, and also realizing that all these great men and women of the Bible were flawed people just like me with an imperfect story that God used for his perfect plan. But your marriage is still shambles. But as God began to work in him, as he would say, yes, Holy Spirit, have your way in me, the Holy Spirit began to work through him. And Debbie and I were back to our seats, and I felt my phone buzz. The church hadn't started, and I look at it. It's a text from Solon. It said, after church, would you and Debbie have time to meet me and some special people, didn't give any names, at the restaurant where we discussed the good news? And I texted back, of course. And I looked at Deb and I said, I bet it's his family. And we got there, Stephanie was there, his three beautiful girls, their three beautiful girls were there. And, and remember what I told you? I said, you look like you've been run over by a truck. <laughs> I have Real the, friendship. I have the gift of encouragement. What can I say? <laughs> but they had stayed up all night long reconciling. And they said, tomorrow we're firing the attorneys. We are back together. And you never, at that time, nine, six, and two, the girls were nine, six, and two. And you think, the six-year-old's coloring. You think they, they, they're not hearing what we're saying. And as Solon said, and Stephanie and I were back together, husband and wife, the six-year-old never looked up. She goes, my Christmas present came early today. I mean, early this year. My Christmas present came early this year. I thought, Oh my, oh my. And then the whole family, Stephanie, stand up. This is Stephanie. And so I'm still mad at you because you didn't tell me earlier, but this morning in the first service, the girls, the two oldest girls were here so Haley's now 11. 11. Tell the story. So here's what I would communicate to you, and I, I, I cannot leave here without telling you this, is that it didn't happen overnight. God was working in me. There was no physical change necessarily that you could see, but the work that was in me was welling up so much that it began to leave me. It began to overflow, if you'd say. 
Um, I love to use the analogy, like if you've ever skipped rocks or thrown rocks into a pond, you know, you take a big boulder and throw it into the water and it makes this huge splash. But the cool thing to watch is when it starts to ripple out and it starts to impact things around it and change the environments around it. And so not only was God able to heal and restore my marriage because his power is that good, but this last week being out of town, I got a call um, and I'm just like most of us, you know, trying to make a living and um, I'm at a conference and my wife says, Haley has something very, very important to tell you. Um, it'll take a few minutes or it'll take just a minute. And I said, well, babe, I'm, I'm like, I got like three minutes before I have to be into this next meeting. And she said, it'll just take a minute. And Haley, my oldest, got on the phone and she said, hey, daddy, I was just gonna tell you something um, that was important to me that happened. And she said, last night while I was at, the, you know, at church, I decided that I wanted to make the decision for myself to allow Jesus Christ into my heart as well as my Lord and Savior. And um, I think uh, the, the reality of what God was doing in me and that it really was not necessarily about me, but it, was, it, was, it started with me. And now God is able to not only transform me by the work that he did in me, but now the work through me, he's been able to impact my children's life eternally. And um, I can't tell you that there's a better gift that I've ever received. So. That's crazy, boy. You can go sit with Stephanie. Thank you. I love those tears, my friend. This series on rhythms of revival, just a simple definition. Spirit of God, have your way in me. Do your work through me. This morning we're gonna give an invitation. And, and, and listen very carefully, because here's where the rationalizations begin and, and we we grab hold of the seat. We may be hearing the Holy Spirit, but we start rationalizing away and we don't obey the Holy Spirit. This morning, you may be in that journey where you're, you've been seeking a relationship with God, but you've never crossed over. Today, this morning, right here, right now, could be the time where it's not revival, it's just Bible. God, do something. I, I've been a cultural Christian my entire life. I want to be a biblical follower of you, knowing that you love me and accept me and I'm yours. Or you may be like Solon, someone who's been spiraling down into depression because your life's falling apart. You're struggling with guilt, with shame. Your finances may be in shambles. Your marriage may be in shambles. You're having thoughts of suicide. Is life really worth living? It is. Don't listen to the lies that Solon was talking about. Speaking of marriages, if you're fussing, fighting, bickering, 
if you've drawn lines in the relationship, if you're talking about getting separated or maybe even getting divorced, understand there, there is no such thing as a marital problem. There's no such thing. It's personal problems that we bring into the marriage. The personal problems need to be dealt with. And the first step is, oh God, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Have your way in me. Or you may be like I was that Mother's Day, sitting on that last chair and seeing this young man walk by and the Holy Spirit says, get up, go serving. And having those thoughts, that's awkward. That's uncomfortable. That's, I'm comfortable where I am. No, this morning's the opportunity to say, oh Lord, I don't know why I'm the way I am sometimes. But this morning, like Philip, I'm going to run up to the altar. I'm not going to hesitate. The instant that fellow says amen, Father God, I'm running up because I want you to have your way in me. And oh Lord, it'd be so wonderful if you would actually work through me. I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, you come. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let me pray for us. Father God, would you bring revival to Mount Horeb? Would you take Mount Horeb as an entire church body to a place they've never been before? May the fires of your Holy Spirit burn brightly and hotly in this church. But Lord, it won't happen in the church unless it happens in the lives of individuals. And this morning, in this service, right here, right now, would you begin this wonderful work of your grace? Would you draw us closer to yourself? Would you let the people in this room, each and every one, say, yes, God, do your work in me. Or yes, God, do your work through me. Lord, may they take that first step of revival right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please, the altar's open. Come.